He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here every week, as I am, with the delicious, optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Opa, Alex. Opa, Opa, Opa. <laughs> Ciao, baby. Ciao. Why did I say Opa three times? It's an Opalicious day. It is. I mean, if you were walking around a table, we would be married, but you're safe because you're sitting at a table. So no worries. Do anything in threes. It means you're married in Greek. You know, I, I just think <laughs> that I'm going to have to, uh, you know, be very, very, very careful <laughs> moving forward with you in this marriage thing. It's, it's getting to be a theme. <laughs> it is. It is. But, you know, hey, I cook a lot. You do. And you cook well, too. I've I had your spenacopita. It's so about the best. About, about. It is the best. Thank you. Jeez. Yeah, and what you got to do to get a decent compliment? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the Greeks and their words. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you. You got to be and, on it. Yeah, but but don't be because that would take the joy out of my life. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That's fair. Totally fair. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. And and since you're not as accustomed to my upbringing and traditions, you don't know when I'm just messing with you. So, you know. No, I really don't know. Mm-mm. No. no. My Which mother means- used to just say, keep them guessing. Well, that is the best way to go. You yeah. know, you don't have to tell everyone everything. It's better if they use their imagination a little bit, right? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I care. I, you do care. I, I know, do. you know. Good for you <laughs> for caring. I guess I care too, because I have a care? tipsy. Do you good? I was going to ask, what do you care about today? I do. I do. I care. I care so much that I would like to recommend that people think about taking baby steps baby steps that's my that's my tip today let's get tipsy it's a new year and the air is filled with new resolutions so it seems like a good time to remind ourselves that rome wasn't built in a day and neither were the pyramids All we can ever really do is put one foot in front of the other and keep walking forward one baby step at a time. Resolutions take continual practice and goals, especially big ones, take time and patience to attain. If they were easy, we'd all have them. But here's the irony. They can be at least easier if you shrink that resolution or goal down into bite-sized daily morsels. 
if you will, that even on your busiest, most mind-bending, physically exhausting day, you're able to ingest and digest. That's right. Pieces so small, you soon find yourself breezing through them, feeling more empowered and willful than before. And that's the point of the baby step approach. It is also the most practical if you find yourself subject to distractions, which is why it is also important to remember one of Luis Miguel's four agreements to always do your best with the understanding that your best will vary from day to day. So what is ultimately most important is just to always do your best. So to reiterate, baby steps, small bites, always do your best, and a reminder that every single day brings with it an opportunity to do your best. And that's my tipsy. Oh, see now, what a beautiful reminder to be gentle with ourselves, yes. right? I know that I, I tend to start off the new year with this you know, resolution to take life one step at a time, and then very quickly into the new year, become like the movie, everything, everywhere, all at once, right? All goals must be accomplished right now. And I right. try to do everything at the same time. And I, I swear to God, you must have been in my house growing up listening to Mayaya because um, when she would see me whirly gigging, mm -hmm. right? She would just say to me, Pulaikimu, Ena Mikrovima Prosti Soste Kateftinsi. Which means? Which means it translates basically one small step in the right direction. So what she was telling me was one small step taken slowly and done right is better than 10 big steps done quickly but wrong. Mm -hmm. And then my dad would jump in with do the best you can with the tools you have and you'll never go wrong. Exactly. Exactly. And the trick is really focusing on that one next step, not on the 10 steps that follow that one step. Those those are going to come when they come. Yes. Just focus on what is next mm -hmm. and then it'll happen. It will it, happen. It, it will. It's a little hard when you have my version of OCD, obsessive completion disorder, and you <laughs> just want to finish everything right now. But it is important. And so, you know, gentle reminders like the one you just gave are good for people like me. And me. Especially as we embark on new endeavors in the new year. Yes. Take deep yes, breaths. Indeed. Because you yes. don't really enjoy to. If you're trying to, and this is, I will say, this is my takeaway from 2023. You don't enjoy as much if A, you're rushing through. And B, your goal is to just get it, get her done. You're not enjoying it as much. And I will say that I realized last year that I have an addiction to stress. Mm. And so that is something that over the summer I started working on. And hopefully I plan on taking with me into the new year so that 2024 can be my best year ever. Well, I think that's a good plan. I actually also think that today's guest may be able to help us with that in her own inimitable way, um, given that she is humor-filled yes, and humor-focused, yes, which we love. We love, 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 love. So you want to share who she is? This is I a, do. 
this is this is this is going to be great. It is. It's going to be a fun one. I can tell. Um, so our guest today is uh, she was born in Sydney, Australia, and graduated from the University of Western Sydney, where she earned a BA in theater. So she's one of our peeps. Yes, she is. <laughs> She's quite the versatile performer. She is a comic, actor, singer, voiceover artist, MC, guitarist, drummer, keyboardist, and writer, Oi. and producer. I'm tired. You've seen her on hit shows such as Superstore and Better Things, as well as performing her wildly funny stand-up comedy on the Comedy Channel. She was a series regular on the iconic sketch comedy series Full Frontal, and is also the writer, director, Bruce producer, excuse me, of the sketch comedy series, The Middle Agers, which she also stars in. She continues to perform in comedy clubs all over the world. Please welcome the beautiful and multi-talented Jackie. And I'm going to try and hopefully pronounce it right because I'm not sure if it's Leb or Loeb. Loeb is perfect. That was fantastic. And you got on the second attempt. That's very impressive. So Jackie Leb, right? Did you say Loeb, Jackie Loeb. I got on the second attempt, you said. It's perfect. No, it's perfect. It's wonderful. You know, I did performed at a comedy festival in New Zealand years ago, and it was it was like a competition who could pronounce my name and the variations I was getting, and also on the New Zealand accent, which is different to the US accent and the Australian accent, and people ringing up, is it is it Lou Yeeb? I was like, like it was so so far removed from how my actual name was pronounced. It was so funny, but you did beautifully, <laughs> and I'm very impressed with that. Thank you. Well, you know, Jackie, when you put two vowels together, you're bound to get that kind of, uh, you know, reaction. People just don't know how to handle the two vowels. You're asking for trouble with diphthongs. Right, you sure are. (laughs) That's that's a story for another podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I went in a bad direction. (laughs) So, Jackie, we like to start off with something we call 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions? Of course. Okay. Of course, you say you 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 are definitely a trained professional. I can already tell. Ten no, quick questions. You can't see my nerves. <laughs> I don't know if it's a hot flash or nerves, but I'm, oh, I'm anticipating the questions. And and may we just let the audience know that it is 7:30 a.m. where Jackie is right now. So God bless Jackie for getting up early and, I know. and being on being ready to go. (laughs) All right, 10 quick questions. Uh, Alex has the clock, two minutes. First thing that comes to your mind, okay? Sure. Don't ever think. All right, number one, do you believe in miracles, Jackie Lowe? I hope so. I hope so. Yes. Have you ever been to Tampa? God, no. But you're from Tampa. <laughs> Apparently so. My residual checks from SAG tell me I am from Tampa, so. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> Were you successful in your effort to give away your husband? No. I can't still... find a husband sanctuary that will take him. Darn it. Not a no-kill Jeez. one anyway. You they keep trying. I do keep trying. <laughs> what does it mean to be de-sexed? Uh, when your genitals no longer function. Oh, of course. <laughs> you still have them. They're just there. They're in name only, but they're non-functional. 
they're just sort of name only. Yeah, they're just sort of <laughs> hanging around, if you will, in my Lit- case. Literally and, hanging around, if you're a man. Yeah, literally. Um, do people ever confuse you as being from New Zealand? New Zealand, England, South Africa, yes, everywhere but Australia and the US. Yes. Of course. Hey, did you know Peach Fuzz is Pantone's 2024 color of the year? What comes to mind when I say Peach Fuzz? My hormonal growth on my chin. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Which, you know, we can't see. I'm so, I guess... so glad you can't see me at whatever 7.38 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so, a uh, little side note, my mother, God bless her, she's 92. She oh. has one hair on her chinny chin chin. Yes. And she refuses to let me pull it out. It's probably like two inches long by now. I'm going to have to get on that. I don't, I don't, I can see you're perplexed. I, I am too. We share no, that. No, it's probably, she. it's part of her, her body, part of her, she's probably a nice long thick hair. It's probably might be longer than the ones at 92 as, as menopause is well, well and truly set in. Maybe it's the thickest hair on her head. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why she's so, she likes it so much. Yeah. I yeah. just want to say I'm impressed she only has one. She obviously isn't Greek. No, she's not. Or Sicilian. Or Sicilian. Or Australian. Or Australian. All right. Uh, You're the number one non-certified tidying guru in the world. What's the untidiest object you've ever cleaned? Behind the toilet. Oh. Not in front of the toilet. Sorry, can I say toilet on a podcast? Behind yes. the toilet, because that's where a lot of dust and a lot of, I don't know what to say to sound polite, not too gross, um, things shed, shall we say. So behind the toilet is the most grossest part of a home. Yeah. Now everyone's going to be looking behind their toilet now. I love everyone, that. everyone. Do you say toilet in, in Australia? We say a multitude of things. The dunny, that's slang for toilet. The dunny, the loo, got to go sit on the throne. <laughs> what else do we, got to go take a dump, got to go hang a piss. We say lots of things. We're quite uncouth. We've, we're, oh. a, we're a horrible cult culture. But wait a minute, I, the dunny? The dunny, don't ask me what the origins are. I like I that one. The dunny's really good because it could mean anything. It could mean anything, but I'm still hung up on Hang a piss. Hang a piss. We we very uncouth. What can I say? Well, not it's only not uncouth, pretty... but what does it mean to hang a, a piss? I mean, I guess I know what it means, but it yeah. doesn't seem to connect. Well, it's related. It's it's related to the, the the areas that get dissexed and what comes out of a dissexed bodily part. It's to basically to urinate. Yes, okay. I knew I'd be disgusting. I knew I'd come out myself. I, I might start. So hard to, hard to I might start using that jackie myself it's yours i can't even take credit for it i didn't come up with it whoever came up with it is a genius genius absolutely genius (laughs) all right what musical theater or movie character do you most identify with veruca salt from charlie and the chocolate factory because i'm like i want everything now and you were talking about new year i'm so like i get to 1201 a.m and it's like, why haven't I achieved my goals yet? Why haven't things started for me? I'm such a failure. <laughs> so I'm difficult. <laughs> I want my golden egg. I want it now. I don't want to have to work for it. I want to have a sugar daddy to get everything for me. 
I honestly don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's the right way to go. <laughs> I am just going to offer this, though, that you and I can be a support group for each other. We can be a two-person support group. <laughs> I'm so pleased. You have your addiction to struggle. Uh, stress, I think mine's an addiction to struggle. And I've only just come to, I've only just had that realization very recently. I think I actually like struggle and it helps me feeling like I'm addiction, addicted to struggle. It, it kind of motivates me. Otherwise, I could easily just lie in bed and do nothing all day. Mm. So it's good to have an addiction to something negative, I think. And as for baby steps, uh, baby steps, like on the job, burn. I go to the, the gym for an hour and I burn about seven calories. And I think I hold the baby steps responsible for that because I tend to walk very, very slowly. And now that I'm in my 50s, very, very carefully. <laughs> seven calories seven an, calories hour. an hour. Wow. Yeah. That tortoise has <laughs> nothing on you, Jackie. No. No. <laughs> Jackie, what, which is harder to live with? A vegan or a lesbian? Oh, how do I answer this <laughs> diplomatically? Goodness. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, let, let's just go just to be safe because I because um, I like being alive. Uh, let's just say vegan, shall we? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, it's your question. I just wanted to know what you think. <laughs> I, I think, well, living with a lesbian, particularly someone that's my age, my size, I can wear their clothes. It's fantastic. We have similar sense of humor. I think I'd go a bit crazy living with a vegan. I think I'd, I'd accidentally bring ham, put ham into the refrigerator or I drink their oat milk, expired oat milk and get sick. I don't know. I think I'd be safer living with a lesbian than a vegan. Yeah, I think now that you've laid it out that way, I, I have to agree it's probably easier. Yeah. Well, that was my analytical answer, I think. <laughs> well, I think. It works for us. Uh, <laughs> last question. Uh, you, you did a bit about house dresses and how sad they are. So I thought I'd ask, is the sheer house dress sad? Is the what? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Is the uh, a sheer house dress? Would that also oh, be like considered a sad? I like a sexy house dress, a sheer one. Well, I think yes, it would be quite depressing, um, me because it's probably just so old and so frayed. The material's so frayed, and it's been it's probably purchased from. Ross dress for less, so it's bad quality. If it's if it's sheer, it's not because it's sexy. It's because just the material's just falling apart. So it's yeah, frayed. it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Okay, <laughs> that's a good, very funny. See, and I love that you went there. Where I would have gone is well, it's it's sad because it's on me. But <laughs> you should see what I'm wearing. I'm so glad you can't see below my neck. You have no idea what I'm wearing. Oh, should I say what I'm not wearing? <laughs> well, maybe you should. Well, it's seven thirty in the morning where you are. Of course, you're not wearing a full, uh, you know, outfit today. Of course. <laughs> so we're actually in Australia connected with you and it is actually tomorrow in Australia and by the way you're gonna have a great day today I was gonna ask you what should we look it was great it was a bit humid okay I only cried once so that's quite good I've been sweating profusely um but other than that you're gonna have a great day would you be willing to share the lottery numbers or the horse in the seventh since you know Um, you've already lived it okay let's just pick some random numbers here i'm thinking seven is generally quite lucky um let's go with a nine 
a 10, a 28, a 2. Uh, can I use minus numbers? Yeah. No. Well, um, let's go for a 43, a 52, a 59. Wow. Is that enough? That's a lot. That's a lot of numbers. Are yeah. you writing these down for your mother? I did. I wrote them all okay, down for good. Mama. Yeah, she'll, <laughs> she'll want just, them. I was just giving you the names and numbers of our commercial TV stations here. <laughs> oh, so these are not lottery numbers. They are lottery TV numbers. stations. Oh, but you had me totally. Anymore. They are defunct TV stations because everyone just does streaming now. Mm. Oh, yes. That's, that's how we do it now, right? No more stations. Yeah. No, it's sad. So now that you're in Australia, do your mates in Australia insist that you have an American accent? No, actually. I think I sound, I think my accent's even more broad, more more broad Australian every time I come back. I, I actually, I took my mother, my mother will love me talking about it. I took her to the doctor the other day and the receptionist, he had an American accent and um, he was saying, oh, I'm trying really hard. I don't want to lose my American accent. I don't want to sound Australian. And it was so funny because normally when you have people here with different accents, they're working really hard to lose their accent. And I thought, is it because he's young and cocky or is it because um, he's American and Americans might be different to different to other immigrants here in Australia where they're very proud, proud of like really want to retain their accent and not lose their accent. It was so refreshing to hear especially when I'm like living in America and it's like, you know, you go for these horrible auditions and, you know, you can never use your own accent. You've always got to do an American accent. And, you know, I meet other Australians that have been in the US for two weeks and they've already got like, you know, they sound like they've been living in the Bronx for 30 years. Uh, so it's just nice to hear someone in Australia with an American accent who's not trying to lose their accent. Well, that absolutely did not answer your question. I can't even remember what the question was, but let's just say to be safe, yes. No. Yes. Uh, okay. No. Yeah. Why don't no, we say? No one says that I sound American. If anything, I sound I sound more like Paul Hagen. I sound even more broad Australian than anything else, mate. Well, when I'm hanging give... a piss on the dunny, yeah, maybe. But other than that, or hanging a piss. Yeah, hanging a piss. <laughs> uh, what uh, can you can you give us a little bit of your American accent now? Of course, I won't be able to. Give me something to say, maybe, because that that's better. Well, um, why don't you just say, I'm from Tampa? Oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm from Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I could help you, but I really can't. And then I have to be very careful, but careful because you have different dialects, whereas here we have yes. like one generic generic. Australian accent, whereas in in the states you got you got people that sound like they're from the Bronx or from New York, or you got people that say are from the South, which I can't do right now. And then you have your stock standard whatever American accent, whatever that is. Um, so, but it's so it's different. So when I had that audition and she was from Tampa, I was googling what does a Tampa accent sound like, and it's just sounded like whatever came out of my mouth on the day. <laughs> well, apparently it worked because yes. you got the job. I did. I, did. I was very happy. It's funny as hang and piss. Uh, it, is. It's, it is. It's very funny. Uh, one line spoken twice and hysterical. Yes. Oh, thank you. I was very proud to but it's so hard to book anything. Everyone in the States, well, I live in LA 
so talented, so incredibly committed and dedicated and hungry for work. And, you know, I've, I've been a performer for like, I don't know how long since I was 20. And so I don't know. And you're living in Australia for most of that time and you just get complacent or you take things for granted. Oh, I'll be this. I've got this gig. I've got that. Oh, I'm going to book that. This, And then you get to the States where everyone is so like, so like fine tuned their craft and they're so committed. And, and it's like, it's really tough because if not only are there more people, there's more good people, like people are incredibly talented. So to actually book even a syllable let alone a sentence uh was was a big deal for me yeah that should be the new resume breaker you know like how okay did this many syllables on this show I did four syllables on this show I think so too (laughs) so you actually started your stand-up career at the age of 20 right 20 I had absolutely nothing to talk about sometimes I still don't but it's like I remember getting on stage it was the comedy store in Sydney not affiliated with the one of the states but literally going on stage and Tracy Chapman was big at the time and I did like I did like a really bad Tracy Chapman impersonation and then I could I could do a chipmunk voice and that was pretty much my open mic five-minute set of doing alternating Tracy Chapman with a chipmunk voice, and that was it. That was your perfect <laughs> five. Afterwards, so that was nice. There you go. So <laughs> so you were a hit. Apparently with some 80-year-old man who wanted to probably spike my drink. Yes, I was. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> so what did your parents say when you told them you wanted to do comedy? I don't think they were at all phased by it. It was probably expected. Like really? I was always a bit peculiar always you know love ent- love entertaining the family love singing love did all the musicals at school um you know went off to study like the theater so I don't think it was a big surprise my mother did once say to me maybe you should do, we say a dip ed like a diploma of education so after my degree in theater I had the option to stay there for one more year so I could teach and I didn't do that and I think it's my my biggest regret to date because yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you didn't you didn't really want to teach did you I absolutely did not look I've done like I wouldn't say teaching at an institution but I've done like say occasionally maybe taught singing or taught comedy or you know done a like a a, a, uh, helped out a friend when they couldn't teach their their acting class you know I've done that and it's a lot of energy. Who wants to expend that much energy? Who wants to help young people? I know I certainly don't. <laughs> Why create more competition for myself? Exactly. Now you're getting it. So refreshing, Jackie. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> you got your first uh, paid gig at 22. What What was that first paid gig? I remember it was 50 bucks. That's a lot of money at an LA comedy club, by the way. 50 bucks is like wow it's like the equivalent of someone's just given me a five million dollar home but it was in the blue mountains which is about a two hours drive out of sydney at a really really old hotel and they had this little theater upstairs and that's where i got my first paid gig and it was like two years of doing open mics and i was already like 22 and already like a jaded bitter 50 year old <laughs> at 22 thinking why am I being exploited why am I getting paid it was because I wasn't any good uh it was very <laughs> different back then Sydney like um 
you know, there's so many places you can really hone your craft in LA. You know, there's so many venues to do open mics. Whereas Sydney, you had the Comedy Store, you had the Harold Park Hotel, and occasionally there was another gig going down. So I wasn't on, I was on stage maybe once every two weeks doing, you know, five minutes, probably doing the five, same five minute set for like those two years and wondering why it wasn't getting any better. <laughs> I have a question for you. So, you know, honing your skill and practicing and um, I'm not saying you, but when somebody, when a performer gets up, especially doing something like stand up and, and kind of has a, you know, maybe a, a sucky performance, how do you keep going? How did you keep going for two years until I, you? I remember I used to perform at this place called the Harold Park Hotel. It was this really, really great pub with a comedy venue attached to it. And I did it for six months. And then I started to have crappy gigs and I stopped for six months. And I can't remember what it was that that was the catalyst for starting up again, but I did take a break. So in answer to your question, how I did, I quit. I quit when, when I, when I was shit, I quit. So that's my credo <laughs> for all my life. When you're shit, you quit. Um, so I stopped for six months and then I don't know, maybe I went, I can't remember it was so long ago. I went away and probably wrote some new material. I had a bit of a think about it or thought about what do I actually want from this career? Um, and, yeah, then I, I got back into it, which was great. And then I started, like, uh, um, I don't want to say collaborating, but I started to make friends. Like, it became a social thing for me too. Made some really good, mostly female friends. Did some shows with them. Like, we did the Melbourne Comedy Festival, um, you know, did some sketch comedy stuff together. So it was really, I felt less lonely. Um, I look forward to going to shows, seeing my friends, uh, collaborating with them. Yeah, I think I think I started to feel more part of that a community, part of a comedy community. And I think in that six months, I probably matured a little bit too. When I say a little bit, I really mean like a minuscule amount of maturity, <laughs> not a lot. In six months, come on. Months. Well, I think having the six months break, I can't remember what I didn't. I, I don't know if I was still studying. I was probably still studying at that point. Um, I don't know. I. I just found probably found other things to talk about other than being a chipmunk and, and being Tracy Chapman for six months. Um, I probably found things to talk about that were happening while I was studying, funny things about drama school, funny things about living at home. Um, I, I don't know. I probably just expanded my mind a little bit more and um, I was also quite shy too. Um and I had very, very long hair. I was a bit of a hippie. I was, I, I, was, I love Janis Joplin. I just wanted, I was in actually a Janis Joplin tribute show. Mm. We didn't have any, but I was in the show. We we rehearsed for like a year and we did a demo. And then as soon as we got our demo together, I don't know, the band disbanded and we never pursued it. But I very much hid behind my hair. I was very shy. And um, I think just taking that six months off and then going back to it with just, I don't know, like a freshness and a different like change of attitude was was great for me because I'm still doing it 30 years on. Yeah, so something something must have taken off then after that six months. Yes, there was yeah, something different so. about what you were doing or pursuing or how, how so. was it different? It's probably my, it was, well, it was 30 years ago, so it was a long time ago to remember the specific thing. But if I had to make something up to sound impressive, I would say, no, my ego, I probably was just so like um, determined to be funny and not not to, 
to be good. I wanted to be good. I don't like not being good at stuff. I hate mm. it. So um, I wanted to be good. So I just kept doing it until I until I was. I mean, this is something comedy is something I don't think you ever truly master. Like I think the day you really feel like you've got it and you've mastered it is the day that you really need to reassess. I don't know. As soon as I remember, I remember doing a gig years ago, years and years ago. And I thought, you know, normally I come on stage and I come on dancing. I just, I love dancing. It just gets rid of the nerves, and it's it's funny because I can't dance. So I just see the audience see me as being like vulnerable and silly and whatever. And I love dancing. I remember years and years ago coming on stage thinking, you know, I'm going to come on stage really confidently. I'm going to come on with a real attitude and be almost really cocky about it. And they hated me. So what, how is that? How does this answer your question? I have no idea once again. Um, but it's just funny. I think people like seeing that vulnerability and honesty. And I think maybe that's something that I'd grown to realise that I don't have to put on this front and this fakeness. I can be myself. If I'm not feeling confident, I can show that. In fact, it works in, I think, a performer's favour to show what they're, what they're feeling, you know. And I think, you know, I know, I think sometimes I think, what's the difference between Aussie comics and US comics or the LA comics? And they're both brilliant in other ways. But I think with some of the LA, no, this sounds like a gross general, and I absolutely don't mean this in a bad way, but I think that LA comics, they're so slick. They're so slick. And I think, which is good, which is fantastic. And I think with the with some of the Aussie comics that I work with, and I include myself in this, um, look, how can I say this? Less slick, <laughs> less <laughs> slick, more conversational, maybe more, more real, more, can I say the F? I don't give an F. Like uh, more vulnerability, maybe I don't know. It could be wrong. Maybe maybe I haven't worked with enough LA comics. But I, I, what I was really impressed about when I go when I work with some of the LA comics, I'm like, oh my god, how do I go on with them? They're so slick. They're so polished. It's it's so like it's such a like a a piece for want of a better word. It's such a like a, a performance. It's it's amazing. Slick. And then I go on, I'm like, oh, how are you doing? How's everyone going? Here, watch me dance. It's just like different. <laughs> the delivery is different. The delivery is different. It, the, the way it's presented is different. And it's it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. No, not a, I got a good thing. That. I got, yeah. got out of that. Oops, dug, dug a hole there for a while. Oops. You sure did. Uh, <laughs> no, and I, I, I can't disagree with you because, mm -hmm. you know, watching comedy, uh, slick polished is can be funny when the material is, is spot on mm -hmm. but personality can be funny without material it it's just all in the way that you present right so that yes. authenticity and that feeling as an audience member that you're looking at somebody who is just as uh um, flawed as you are in mm -hmm. the audience mm -hmm. is is endearing and funny in its own I think so too. But I think what whatever works for performers, whatever style, what however they want to present themselves is great. That's what I, I think it's so wonderful, this having this platform where we can choose how we deliver things, choose our own words, not be dependent on anyone for work, create our own work, create our own dialogue. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 feels like a real privilege sometimes to have that have a voice and to have a one-sided conversation with an audience. It's great. Although and, and people that do fall out. And that's really sort of the magic of it as well, because mm -hmm. you can come on stage and say things that 
the rest of us really should just not even try to say and make it funny. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the joy, you know, is hearing those things come out of people's mouths and it's, and it's funny and not at all offensive. You know, sometimes sometimes, I think it depends what's coming out of one's, one's mouth. Um, I mean, I know I've heard things from comics. I'm like, not sure I would have said that, but then that's me. I'm probably being precious, but I think it's really cathartic, you know, things that people want to say, but don't have the courage to say, or don't have the platform to say, or don't have the balls to say. And then a comic says something and and everyone can have a good hard laugh about it or like Mm -hmm. cringe about it, however they want to react, but it's cathartic hearing something that you've been thinking or Mm -hmm. wanting to say and not having the opportunity to say it. And it, it gets said on your behalf. So that's that's what I do love about stand up. And sometimes, you know, when I'm, you know, waiting to go on and I'm listening to another comic and, yeah, I might have a bit of a cringe moment where like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that or that's that feels malicious or or I wouldn't have said that or that's whatever ism, whatever ism it is, ageism, sexism, racism, homophobic ism, I don't know. Um, do I have the right as an audience member to, to critique what another comic says? Absolutely, I do. But mm-hmm. uh, but I've got to feel all those feelings while I'm in the audience, you know, and just suck it up, I guess, for that for that moment in time. Mm. You know, I I'm thinking about this conversation. I'm thinking about the fact that you there's such a big variety of comedy and comics out there, and there really is no wrong way. And but but yet there is. It's it's. Just sort of a, about how the whole package comes together, and that's is, right. You, it's just not something you could always put your finger on and say, "Oh, you know, that's not funny." Because it's just you know you see the whole presentation and you say, "Oh, that just didn't work." Or the uh, audience didn't connect with it. It doesn't mean it's not funny. Maybe it's not the right audience for it. And I think what falls under the umbrella of comedy now is so much broader. Like I remember when I started like 32 years ago, it was very much, uh, you know, guys getting up, talking about whatever. It was very repetitious. And now it's so not that anymore. Like people have really like left the field comedy and that stream of consciousness comedy and talking about all a multitude of things, talking about mental health, talking about, moving away from talking about say relationships not that there's anything wrong with talking about your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever but people um and and I love all the Seinfeld stuff the observational stuff but it's really like the umbrella of what comedy is is so broad now you know it could be comedy stand-up um but you know as a character or musical comedy. I remember some, I worked with this guy. I get on with everyone. I love all comics. I have enormous respect for all of them. I remember when I worked with a comic at a comedy festival overseas somewhere, and it was like 20 years ago. He was really arrogant. He said, you wouldn't be able to work in the clubs in New York because your stand-up's not pure. And I thought, what? And then I had like a bit of a, I was like, what's pure comedy? People are laughing. I don't understand. He gave me, made me feel so insecure and doubting, second guessing myself because I use my, a bit of music. Now, I wouldn't say I'm a musical comedian per se, but I do use music. I'll get my guitar out. If, a four, if I have a 40 minute headlining spot, I might get my guitar out for five minutes. But um, it's, um, 
it really threw me. And to hear that from another comic, for a comic not to be open-minded about what comedy is, really threw me and really had me second-guessing myself. And then when I get on, you know, every time when I'm in LA and I come back to Australia, there's a new batch of Aussie comics. Like, you know, I do the comedy store. There's like every time I perform, there's like 10 comics that I don't know. And they're all brilliant. They're brilliant. And they're so clever and so funny. And um, the way they present their comedy is comedy is not that like traditional guy getting up on stage talking about how his girlfriend sucks or talking about sex or whatever. Like it's it's clever. It's really thoughtful. And 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 obviously also in LA when I'm working there, the, the comedy is really thoughtful and clever. Um and and it's like eclectic. It's diverse. <laughs> it's it's just so different from when I started. And it's so I love it. I love hearing those new new thoughts, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. And pushing the boundaries of pushing the boundaries of what comedy is. You know, it, comedy has become more storytelling, more anecdotal, more gut-wrenching. Um, you know, when you look at think of some of the comedy specials that have been on, you know, it's a it take it's not like set up punchline set up punchline it's it's more it's taking you on a journey and yeah there might be bits that are more thought-provoking rather than uproariously funny but but it, you still get that gut belly laugh at the end of it you know um and I think that's very brave way to approach comedy too like for me I just want to hear them laughing all the time I'm not so much a storyteller mostly because I, I can't concentrate that long to tell a story <laughs> but um my style's just not that my stand-up was very like disjointed um but I have enormous admiration for someone that can just trust that the audience is going to be with them for however long and then at the end of it get that big payoff um but I'll never forget that guy. He was the biggest asshole. Sorry to say. <laughs> Sounds like an ass. Yeah, he was. He really was. So, mm. what brought you to the U.S.? I wanted to go and live in the the U.S. I forgot what the letters were. U.S. Those ones. U.S. Because I wanted to tell people I was living in the U.S. In Australia, it's very impressive. I don't know, I got bored. I actually did this thing in my act where I say, you know, I, a friend said, why don't you go to LA? And I literally did. Like someone planted a seed in my head that must have been, or must have always been there, must have always been dormant in the back of my head about going to LA. Um, you know, there was a real like romanticism about, you know, going to Hollywood. And I did. I, I was like, I'd been doing stand-up here for, I don't know, 17 years or something, and I wanted to experience living in LA and I, applied for a green card and I was very lucky that I got the green card that I was eligible for that. And I don't know. Um, I just wanted to do something different. I'd been doing the same old, same old here for so long and just wanted to see what it was like to live in abject poverty overseas. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't pick a, a place that's economically necessarily easy to live in. It is. I'm not going to lie. Yes, my resume sounds very impressive and, I mean, I embellished a lot of it, not going to lie. No, I, no, that's all factual, most of my resume, most of what you read out earlier. I mean, a lot of it is stuff I've done on my own independently, like the, the sketch comedy stuff that I've produced independently and financed myself. And, you know, I I don't wait for people. If I had to wait for someone to offer me a job, um, I'd probably still be waiting. So a lot of it is like 
self-motivated and self-produced. A lot of it, you know, I have been booked for. I've been at this a long time. So, um, you know, I guess I've got a, a bit of a reputation, be it good or bad. But um, there's been months that have been so soul-destroying and so tough. I loved COVID. I was probably one of the few people that thrived during COVID because couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. I couldn't come back to Australia because the flights were grounded. So I was stuck in my home in LA just with my guitars and my keyboard and I, you know, wrote a lot of music, did a lot of sketches, loved getting unemployment from the government. It was fantastic. I just viewed it as like every week I was getting a, a, a grant to be creative, um, did online shopping. I absolutely loved it. It was great. Um, I know I shouldn't minimise that experience because I know a lot of people struggled. Oh, too bad. I thrived. Um, but, um, but, you know, and then, like, this year we've had the writer's strike and the actor's strike. It was like for the first time in probably 25 years, I had to get a job. And it's like you realise how vulnerable you are when you're in your 50s. Sorry, my stupid alarm clock's gone off. That's that's impressive that I had my alarm clock set for 8.30 when I was meant to get up at 7. Um, <laughs> I think that's set from yesterday. Um, yeah, recently, because of all the strikes and everything, um, I had to get a job and I realised, oh, my God, I'm so skillless. I've left myself so vulnerable. Like when I go online, like onto LinkedIn and look at jobs, I didn't even understand the job descriptions like social media manager, expert, expert distributor. I don't know. I don't know what any of that means. So a friend of mine who's also an actor said, do you, I've got a surplus of clients. I'm thinking, oh, what corporate training? This sounds just up my alley. Um no, pet sitting. They're the clients. The clients are dogs and cats. And so I started doing pet sitting and um, uh, it's great. I've met a, a vegan dog. So that's interesting. Uh, a cat a cat with anxiety. Most of the clients, I don't know if it's because they're from LA, there's something wrong with them. Like they've got anxiety or, or they don't want to go for a walk or they're very very challenging some of the pets I think I've now like what I do is very specialized because I seem to have created a real niche with pets with mental health illnesses so <laughs> you have a whole new audience to test your material out on a lot of the wiener dogs for some reason I get a lot of the clients which who are wiener dogs and they're just oh my god I'm not one for animal cruelty, but, oh, my God, they are so <laughs> needy, emotionally clingy. Like I'll go and take them for a walk and then I'll have to pick up their dog business, which is very humbling after being a headliner comic for 30 years and you're picking up dog shit. And it's like I'll go, I'll put them back into the apartment, I'll leave for one second just to dispose of the dog excrement and they lose their minds because I'm not there with them for that half a second uh, it's just it's been so humbling but it's been what I have learned about myself is that I am capable of doing other things when I have to pay my rent and I've got bills to pay and a college debt from 1994 to still pay off <laughs> oh I will I go out and get my hands quite literally get my hands dirty and I'm, I'm coming back to LA probably in about a month's time and I'm really hoping that there's lots of gigs and auditions waiting for me because I've been so I got off the plane November and I haven't stopped working which has been brilliant like I literally have not stopped 
doing gigs. And then, like, I, it's just a weird transition going from doing gigs, doing stand-up to picking up dog, dog excrement when I get back to L.A. But it's also uh-huh. made me, it's really made me appreciate, you know, like there's a number of actors that do pet sitting, a number of comics that I work with that are brilliant that do pet sitting because that's the way LA is. You've got to have a side hustle. It, it's not like it is in Australia. And people say to me, why don't you just stay in Australia? You're working there. You're making a living because I'm addicted to struggle. There you go. <laughs> and we come back. And we brought it full circle. That's right. <laughs> and it's true. Otherwise, why wouldn't I stay here? I've got my family. I've got somewhere to live. I've got a car. Like, why wouldn't I stay here? Um, because I, I think I get off of the struggle and the, just the the ego. It's like, no, I'm not ready to come home yet. I'll be saying that when I'm I'm 90. I'll be like, no, I'm not ready to come home. I've got to, got to get a <laughs> I spot at the comedy store. I can't. <laughs> is yeah. there is there a goal in coming back? Is there something that you're 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 reaching for, or is it really just about? No, there's definitely goals. I mean, like every comic, I'd love to do a comedy special. I mean, I could do a comedy special here, but I want to do it there. There's something about taping a comedy special in LA. I, I you know, I want to. I want to. I don't think I've really pushed a lot of things. Like I haven't really pushed. Pitch, I haven't ever pitched my own show. Like I do a lot of writing. I've got like half the draft of about 50 sitcoms that I've written. You know, like I'd actually like to complete something and pitch it. Um, you know, I'd love to host a show. Um, I'd love to be a series regular on a show. Uh, I'd like to say more than two syllables on a, on a, on a show. Mm. Yeah, there's lots of things that I still want to do. I've still got a, a, a credit at Whole Foods for $25 that I need to fulfil. I need to go there and, and buy some milk <laughs> with that. So, and then I'll be at Whole Foods for 20 hours trying to decide what milk that I want to buy, the oat milk, the hemp milk, the, I don't know, the goat. I saw camel milk yesterday oh, in no. Australia. In Australia, no. we have camel milk. I don't even think I've seen that in LA. No, I haven't seen it anywhere here on the West Coast, camel milk. But I'll be looking for it now that you mention yeah. it. I'm, I'm going to go to Sprouts I- later and see. I'm surprised I haven't seen like human breast milk at Sprouts or Whole Foods. I'm always like <laughs> looking. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it's to come in 2024. I think it's in the baby aisle. <laughs> <laughs> you won't find that There's... in the in the in the dairy case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's not from a cow. Is it considered vegan? Oh wow, that's controversial. Is it lactose free? <laughs> It's That's a good very question. That's a good question that needs it. I think someone's going to have to Google that. It probably won't be me. Hopefully I won't get any hate speech from that. No. It's, it's like it's always someone's at the ready for the hate speech. It's like you can say the most non-antagonistic, innocent thing, and there's always someone ready to like, oh, it's going to be a nice day today. What are you suggesting? That because it's, it's grey, it's bad? You're you're so narrow-minded. That is so non-inclusive. You're like being prejudiced towards the You're weather. grayophobic. You're grayophobic, <laughs> exactly. Look, it has its place to be critical like that, but it's like it's so extreme now. It's so crazy. It is. I agree. And, of course, that's like a caricature of, of someone that's being waiting in the wings to be antagonistic. Um, but uh, it makes me when on stage sometimes want to go harder and like really push it push all of that stuff but uh 
anyway, I digress. Human breast milk, it was, yeah. One one last question before we get to our next segment. When oh. you're when you're writing, yes, or when you're when you're uh, you know working to come up with new material, are you inspired by something and that's what gets you writing, or do you sit down with pen and paper or with computer and say to yourself, "Okay, I've got to write something. Where do I begin? How does that work for you?" I guys? think it's a, an organic process. Like my thoughts are so random and they come at the most random time. It's usually when I'm don't have anything like I'm, I'm in the car and I'll have an idea or I'm going for a walk or I'll overhear a conversation and that might inspire something so it tends to be or in the shower that's where I do my my god that's where I do my comedy specials poor poor mm. like like California being in a drought and I'm in the shower for two hours doing my comedy <laughs> special with all the new material that I've thought of <laughs> oh you're the reason we're in a drought that's what you've I'm just told us <laughs> That and drinking eight glasses of water a day and depleting the uh the the water of California. Um yeah, tends tend to be yesterday I was out with my sister and I was we were talking about the giving away the husband thing. And I was talking to her about it. And talking about it, I had the idea of like a hybrid husband, like a non-allergenic husband. So I want to write a piece about that to like often I'll have an idea that I like that I already do on my stand-up. And um and I ready. I want to. I want to. Um. Just my mother's just opened the door. I'm like, hey, I'm waving, I'm waving it down. I'm like saying, stay out, stay out. <laughs> it's so funny. I've been coming on stage lately, saying, oh, I've been staying with my mum because that's where I live. <laughs> and uh, um, so it's more of an organic process of, yeah, or having an idea that I like that I already do. Thinking the audience connect with this, I'm going to build on this. So at the moment, I'm trying to write something about having a hybrid husband and what that would involve—that he'd be hair free and he wouldn't shed. And but it's all interesting talking about a hybrid husband when I'm gay. It's really weird. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. My I don't know if it's like because of the era that I start. I mean, I do talk about being gay on stage. I absolutely do, and I do. You know gay comedy nights and pride festivals and the whole gamut of it. But, you know, I started 32 years ago where, you know, most of us that were gay didn't talk about it or if you did talk about it, you were you were really brave, you know, you're really, really yes. brave to talk about it. Um, and it was great as a closet, closet, closet case comic listening to other comics talk about it, which was like, wow, um, mind-blowing for me at the time. But I don't know, sometimes I think I'm, creatively heterosexual it's really weird because I'm always talking about I did talk about being gay I'm absolutely not closeted on stage I'm very open about it but I don't know I love talking about this imaginary husband I don't know who he is but I love talking about him sometimes <laughs> that's the best husband the imaginary one the imaginary one you know I remember doing a comedy festival in South Africa and Someone was asking me in their South African accent, do you have a do you have a boyfriend? And I said, I didn't, I had a girlfriend. I said, yes. And they said, What's what's his name? And it was Craig, or as you say in the States, Craig, Craig. I had Craig and I would just talk about Craig incessantly. It was terrible. So I feel so sad for that person, for who I was then, that I just couldn't say that I had a partner that I'd probably been with at that point for 10 years and I was talking about Craig. I don't know what Craig did or what he lived or what he looked like, but I was with Craig. It's so sad. It feels so pathetic now. <laughs> hey, the times have changed. 
They really have. Times have but then, changed. Yeah, we've got, but then it's like times have changed. We have evolved and we have moved on and we don't need to be in the closet anymore unless you live in Florida or Texas. <laughs> right. Then I'd probably right. bring out Craig. I'd probably be talking incessantly about Craig for my own personal safety. And I think you sadly, should for your own sadly. personal safety. Yes. Craig, right there by your side. We could talk to you for lo- much longer. It's clear that your your funny is is uh, just part of who you are. You don't have to work to be funny. It's and I'm delightful. Let's not forget about that. I'm delightful. So I really am. Delightful. I'm very nice. I did a show once called "I Really Am Lovely," and I called it that because that's what I believe. I really am. I'm nice. I'm nice. I'm good. You, I'm a good you solid have- person. You have us believing that as well. I do. So there must be something <laughs> to ask it. my mother, who I just shoot out of the room. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's ask her if you're nice. <laughs> if you're well, lovely. Thing, I've been driving her mad because I'm, you know, I've been I, when I come to Sydney, I stay with her, and I've been driving her mad. Like, why don't you do this? And you should do this. And why aren't you going for a walk? And why? Poor things just turned 80 and it's like I'd shudder to think what I'd be like as an 80-year-old person. I would just be, I don't know. My God, what's this, an 80-year-old com- I don't know any 80-year-old comics, actually. Well, there was Joan Rivers. There was, exactly. And there was and there was Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller, yes, that's true. That's very true. And Don Rickles. Don Rickles, and Don Rickles, Rickles yes. right, right. Do I know? I don't know any 80-year-old comics in Australia. Hmm, that's, that's because they all come to America, apparently. They, do. They, they, come, there. they come to America to get their social, social security. and yeah, Right, right and their COVID <laughs> relief. And, and I don't blame anybody. They <laughs> live very handsomely. <laughs> well, we, we unfortunately have got to say goodbye. But before we do, we have just our bolotified five questions we'd like to throw at you. <gasps> the bolotified five. Are you yes, ready? Right. Certainly. Uh, what is your golden rule, Jackie? Well, when it comes to comedy, I like to think outside the ho- the hexagon because people often say, oh, you've got to think outside the box. I think, no, but everybody's thinking outside the same shape and they're all going to come up with the same ideas or concepts. So I like to think outside the hexagon. Mm. It's nice right, you no, like that? I like yeah, that. Yeah, you? Be, oh my yeah. god, I said something impressive and clever. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> no, that is something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever be able to say uh think outside of the box again without thinking mm-hmm. about a hexagon and how much how much more uh specific that is than just you can a box. think a lot. There's a lot more thinking to do. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. There are what four more sides to to like bumble around as you're thinking. Apparently so when so. I'm feeling lazy, I'll be thinking outside the triangle. That's right. Or, or, outside or the circle. Line. Outside, <laughs> outside the line. The line. <laughs> <laughs> and then some of you are going to take some time to think about that. We know. Yes. Uh, but while you're thinking, uh, Jackie, what is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? complaining (laughs) well it does it does contribute because if I don't like something I'm complaining about something that motivates me to change it so 
I think complaining is a really good thing to do. Some people are really into mindfulness and meditation and taking strolls in nature. I just like to complain and whinge because it motivates me to fix things. I want to spend a day with you. I, I do too. I think I drive you mad. No, I think I we like have some chocolate. fun. <laughs> I love chocolate. <laughs> when no one is listening, what are the things you're telling yourself? Ah, oh, when no one is listening. What's your inner oh my dialogue? God, I think. What's my inner dialogue? Um, oh my God, is it a really hard question? What what do I tell myself? I think I'm always telling myself stuff. So it's not like a specific time when no one's talking to me or I'm, I'm alone. I've always got like an inner dialogue or thinking about things I need to be doing or things, thinking about things that I'm not good at or things about things that I excel at. I think being a comic and you, so much of it is in isolation and working in isolation that there's always like an inner dialogue. It's so self, I, I think doing this job, you become very self-obsessed so there's always I'm always thinking about things. I don't I don't have an off button, sadly. Maybe when people aren't, maybe it's just to be silent that it's okay just to stop. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, just to not think. Yeah, I don't know you, that's it. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, I've forgotten the question, but I think that's the answer <laughs> I, to it. <laughs> we all did. Uh, what is one change you'd like to see in the world? I think the obvious cliche one would be peace in the world. And I yeah. used to laugh at the Miss America pageants. It was like, oh, for world peace. I don't know how good world peace is for the global economy, but I think it would put a lot of people out of work. But I would have to say at the moment, absolutely world peace. I know that's mm -hmm. not particularly funny, not particularly original, but it's from my heart and it's sincere. From the depth of my colon, I would say world peace. <laughs> I didn't know your You're colon use, had any depth, but You're now. using that one too. I know I know you, Anthony. That will become a regular saying for you. I'm the depth of my colon. I usually say that at the end of my gig when I thank people, thank the crowd from the depth of my colon. I want to thank you all. If it's so a good, good crowd, it's the depth of your small, your your large intestine. If it's right. a bad crowd. <laughs> oh, I probably save that for corporate gigs. I admit, admit, admit colon and go for um, small intestine. It's less graphic. <laughs> That's because most people don't know what that is. I think. That's right. <laughs> uh, lastly, and sadly, lastly, what is your why? What what motivates you? Why in terms of my existence or doing stand-up? Yes. Why do you do what you do? What drives you to do stand-up? Oh, my gosh, there's so many reasons. I do like making the world a happier place. I do like there's something very fulfilling and part of my ego, I guess, making people laugh. It's a bit of escapism for the, <clears throat> the time that I'm on stage having a connection with people, finding common ground. Um, so there's that, you know, the, the I guess, the holistic reasons and the, the, the nice reasons. My ego too, it's also my livelihood. I've got to do this as I found out during COVID and during the writers and actors strike that I'm completely skillless outside of my performing skills and my writing skills. So it, I have to be good at this and it's my livelihood. So that's another why. I love the comedy community. I love feeling part of a community. I I love being around other funny people. I love 
I love listening to their stories and ideas. Um, I like getting free drinks backstage. No, I don't drink. Um, <laughs> I love. I love. Mate, I love that. It's allowed me to see some of the world. I want to say all around the world because that would be a lie. I love that I've gone to seeing, you know, I've been all around Australia through doing comedy. Um, I wouldn't have got some of the places, really remote places that I've been to. Can't give you an example offhand. Um, but, you know, I've gotten to see places that I would have never gone to. I've got to go to South Africa. I've gotten to go to Southeast Asia. I've gotten to see, you know, parts of parts of California that perhaps I wouldn't have gone to or um, you know, been to New York doing stand up. Like it's it's been an amazing way to like see the world and experience other cultures. I don't know if New York's really a different culture to Australia. It is. It's not oh, really. it is. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it, it is. is. And we say that lovingly, of course. Yes, of love course. New York. Well, Jackie. Yeah, so that, that, the multitude of reasons. Yeah, I, I love it. I feel very, very. This is going to sound very LA, but I feel very, very blessed to have the privilege of of holding that microphone and doing what I love in abject poverty. I knew I'd have to say something negative. Can't help it. Oh, well. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for spending your uh, part of your morning in Australia with us here on the West Coast of the U.S. And thank you for lightening us up yep. and bringing funny to the world. Where can people find you? They can find me. I have several investment properties on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. My handle is just at Jackie Loeb. I'm on TikTok, which is also at Jackie Loeb. I'm not so much on Twitter anymore. Um, yeah, mostly on, on Instagram or on um, on TikTok. I'm in Australia for, I think, until mid-January. I'll be at the, if anyone's listening to this from Australia, I'm going to be at the Comedy Store the first week of January. And then I'll be in LA doing Lord knows what. Lord knows what. Well, hopefully we'll get to do some things with you when you're, yes. when you're back in LA. I really hope so. You've been so generous and kind to have me on, on your podcast. I love it. I, I feel so, I'm very grateful. It's a great, you, sorry that I, I, I don't know if your listeners will be aware of this, but I could not, the technology, in Australia, it's still 1956 with the technology here. Basically, I didn't know what button to press. I couldn't find the link and I was pressing phone numbers instead of the link because it was 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> You're forgiven. For sure. Yes, and absolutely. Uh, you, you've made it up, completely made it up. You've just made us laugh and, and warmed us up. So thank you so, so much. We'll see more Thanks. of you when you're back here. And, uh, I can't wait. Oh, it's just going to be fabulous. It's just going to be fabulous. If it's not fabulous by 12.01 a.m., I will, I'll be very upset with you. You should call me then, no matter what time it is here. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm the one you can call 24-7 because I'm usually awake. So, Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Jackie Loeb, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it's going to be a great year. We'll yeah. see you soon. Hey, thank you for listening to Volatified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast. Bolatified is a production of Bolada Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolada. Stay engaging.